Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. Uh, I have my co-host, Parker Fleming, here alongside me, as always. And Parker, I come to you now on the night of February 23rd with some late-breaking news. Are you ready to hear it? Uh, Yes, please, regale me. Okay. This is per uh, the immortal at Chuck Carlton of the Dallas Morning News. Texas senior quarterback Sam Ellinger wins the Jason Witten Collegiate Man of the Year Award tonight, which focuses on leadership on and off the field. You know, I I never want to be the one that talks about our participation trophy generation. (laughs) Um, This, uh, I mean, Sam Ellinger, by all accounts, is a nice guy, but I think, uh, again, the, the fanfare around him is entirely maybe some like guilt about collectively, like not that the media is an organism, but like we built Sam Ellinger up for four years and he got, he got nothing. Uh, and he's probably going to be like a day two uh, NFL draft pick. Who's not in the league in maybe, a couple years. Maybe day two. Uh, maybe, maybe day two. If he's, if he's lucky. So this does feel like a um, let's, let's give the kids something nice before we, before we send them off to the, to the real world. Sam <clears throat> Ellinger will be a great holder for the new Orleans saints for years to come. And, uh, uh, we celebrate him for that. Uh, the other finalists, by the way, Najee Harris of Alabama and Dalen Hayes of Notre Dame, a real upset that Ian Book was not considered for that award. Um, Parker, it has been over a month since we've done a Purple Theory podcast, man. How you been? Uh, I've I've been doing all right. I've weathered um, my my in-laws having the Rona. I've weathered uh, Icepocalypse in Fort mm-hmm. Worth. Um, I've, I've weathered a little bit of ice apocalypse and mystery secret location that me and the stats wife are in right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been crazy, but we are here, we're alive. Uh, and so, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see college football, uh, on the horizon, the, 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 the warm morning glow of that, of that red sun kind of peeking over the mountains, if you will. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think we're, uh, alive, which is about all we can say in 2021. You know, I think the old saying, uh, red sky at night, sailors delight. But Parker, red sky at morning, sailor take warning. Yeah, that's that's like the um, the, the two that get me are the, the snake one. That's like uh, oh, red, red and, and yellow, yellow kill a fellow. fellow, red and red black, and black. Something, Jack. Friend of Jack, yes. Friend of Jack. And the other one is the college one that I never got right because I don't really mess around with, with, with liquor. But it was like beer before liquor, never been sicker. Or is that backwards? That's correct. Yeah. Liquor, liquor before, before beer, beer, never fear. Yeah. What I was saying, those, those things are all bouncing around in my head for some reason. I wish I could forget things like that and remember other more important things. I, I can tell you that uh, it's it's not about uh, the type. It's about the quantity uh, when it comes to the last one. And uh, also water moccasins do not have red or black on them, and yet they will still kill you. Um, yeah. Good to hear you've been doing well. Um College football, by the way, going on now, uh, you're a Tarleton State University football team, as I forget their nickname at the moment, uh, just beat the heck out of New Mexico. So uh, the Tarleton Tarleton State Texans, thank you very Texans, much. Texans, that's correct. My old roommate used to work for Tarleton, and I feel very bad for getting their name. Uh, yeah, beat New Mexico State, which is very funny. Uh, my, my friend... Um... Brian Fremont, a uh, friend of the podcast and 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 uh, future future podcast guest, Brian Fremont, mm-hmm. uh, dropped this tidbit on us. Tarleton State defeated New Mexico State by a final score of 43-17. Worst loss by an FBS team to an FCS opponent since Coastal Carolina lost to Western Illinois 52-10. to And Grant, this, this year is going to just blow your mind. 2017. Coastal Carolina so, in 2017 lost to Western Illinois 52 to 10. This year they beat a top 10 BYU uh, on three days notice. Uh, people can change. You can change. I can change. We all can change. Rocky mm-hmm. Balboa. Uh, yeah, exactly. Huge shout out to, uh, to Sylvester Stallone. Okay, Parker. Hey, here's a transition for you. Ready? I'm here for it. All right. Speaking of changes, we've had some off-season changes for the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, some breaking news, not necessarily breaking because it happened a month ago. Uh, people change in locations. So let's start out with left tackle TJ Stormont, who has now followed his old offensive coordinator, Sunday Cumbie, to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, Parker, this stinks. And, and I'll say this, too. It stinks because it happened the day after I published my uh, TCU offensive depth chart piece on the purple theory newsletter 
I, I was actually, uh, I was talking to TJ Stormont about this and he actually mm -hmm. said, F that guy. I waited until he published that article uh, to make sure that I could just get the maximum pain on, on him. That's uh, fair. I, he said something like Bay City Redneck. I don't remember everything he said. That's, but, that's um, fair. That adds <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I have multiple feelings on this. I, I'm trying, you know, it's 2021. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, get my life in order. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. And uh, so I'm really, really resisting the temptation to do a bit right now about, hey, what could go wrong? Like, it's not like offensive line depth has been an issue at TCU forever. It's not like um, high quality experience offensive tackles on both sides could protect your quarterback who has mostly been lying on his back and running for his life the last two years. Um, it's not like your most fundamental flaw over the last three years has been an inability to consistently uh, get a push in the run game uh, and protect your quarterback. And so um, I I'm just resisting the bit right there and saying like, I, I don't know what's common knowledge. I don't know anything. I've just heard things. There was, there was some argument about TJ Stormont was concerned about his draft stock and so wanted to protect himself against the future and TCU wasn't willing to, to compromise very much on that. And so good for TJ Stormont as a student athlete pursuing opportunities that allow him to continue to develop and demonstrate his value for an NFL team. But it is, um, it does stink and it, and it really takes a little bit of the wind out of the sails in my mind for TCU, because you've got to start thinking who's going to fill in there um, because Stan. That TCU offensive line was god awful. Um, it's not uh, great. Ek is going to be great. He was solid at Memphis. Yep. I think I think he'll plug in really well. And again, Memphis spread team uh, going to be very familiar for him. Uh, a lot of running. Some great running backs come out of Memphis. Um, and so, one, they're highly talented, but two, clearly their offensive ba uh, their their offensive line is able to give them a consistent push. So I, I think it'd be really good there. But man, you start talking about depth along an offensive line and. You're like, all right, you got Steve in the middle. You got Wes Harris back from a broken jaw, which maybe that's what we yeah. don't talk about enough in 2020 is that Wes Harris suffered a broken jaw during a football game. And if I've got this correct, did not come out of the game. No. Dealt with, dealt with it later. Uh, that is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And, and, and look, I, I probably overrate Texas high school football players because uh, it's been part of my life for a while. I didn't play, but I covered it. Uh there's something to be said for coming out of Alito and being a badass uh, because they do not suffer fools there. And Wes Harris uh, won several state championships at Alito and played through a GD broken jaw for the TCU Horn Frogs. And that is wild to me. I want that this, man in my foxhole. Absolutely. This feels like a good time uh, uh, as anyone to remember that if a division one player so much as tackled me, um, I would, I would cry. I would need a popsicle. Oh um, my yeah, God. So yeah. I just can't even imagine some of the stuff these guys are doing on a daily basis. And um, yeah, I just, I think you ever, you ever see the show pros versus Joe's it's the off season. I'm, oh, I'm, God. I'm allowing every Did single I? thing. Are you kidding? Dude, it was okay. pros versus Joe's. It was MXC. And those are the reasons to watch spike TV. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So pros versus Joe's was kind of the, you know, there's the meme about the Olympics should have just a normal person mm -hmm. do every event. So you can do That's it. And Spencer pros versus Hall. Joe's. Shout out to Spencer. Yeah. Yes. Pros versus Joe's in like 2003 said, yeah, we're going to do that. And so this wasn't like Namby Pamby, like, oh, come play with, play with them. It was like, hey, Alexi Lawless, a soccer player, is going to break your shin and you're going to try and score. Um, or like Clyde Drexler. I remember the ones, Clyde yeah. Drexler, who's like kind of old at this point. And these, you know, Jack bros wearing sweatbands on their arms are trying to make a layup. Drexler's like not even getting off his feet. He's just like, nope, swatting it away, swatting it mm -hmm. away. That's, that's what, that's what, uh, yeah, that's what I think about when I think about Wes Harris breaking his jaw uh me just thinking like man one play i could go out there i could line up and then as soon as you hit me i would you know i'd, I'd fake a pulled hamstring or something i could not hang there's a uh, as a young nerd i had a book it was i think a, a thousand of one famous uh football quotes or whatever number in one uh, famous football quotes and uh there was one from john madden which is that if you ever play one down in the national football league you will never ever be physically right again and uh I don't, that might be an overreaction, but also Wes Harris broke his jaw and played for TCU the rest of the game. So I don't think it's an overreaction. Yeah. So, so perhaps yes. Wes Harris. So, so yes. Steve's coming back. Wes Harris is going to be the inside. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, you've got some guys that have played and like John, played John, okay. John Lance, Blake Hickey yeah. are, are serviceable. I don't mean that to say derogatory. I'm just saying, no, they're not, they're not my first start. Um, Coy McMillan looks to be kind of a, um, a journeyman for TCU. There's, sure. there's, there's a particular brand of TCU offensive lineman. 
Uh, and, and it looks like he's, he's going to be there, but um, yep. be that, be that kind of guy. Then you just start t- thinking about like, man, you know, a lot of guys left um, a lot of depth left. And you start thinking about like, who's going to play that other tackle. Looking at the roster. I mean, so you have, you have Andrew Coker back. Okay. You have Garrett Hayes, a highly touted Richard freshman, and you have Brandon Coltman. Um, I would imagine you- those three guys, but have the, so yes, Brandon Coleman, I think could play the tackle. He, he played a bunch last year. Um, do, can, can you see right now, uh, if you have the roster up, I, I'm sorry mm-hmm. to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, it's fine. How, how big is Garrett Hayes listed for 2020? I, don't, I imagine they haven't done it for 2021. So, but they like, actually how, have. how big 20, is he? Okay. 2021 is up. He's listed at a uh, six, five, two eighty six. So tall, but certainly not as, as wide as the uh, prototypical yeah, tackle. I, I hope. Well, uh, so he's he'll he'll play center. They'll just he's talented. Out. I mean, the guy's good. Yeah. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But the, he 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 won't play extra. Like he played center in high school. He'll be he'll be a yes. center. I think. Yeah. I think um. So. But but so I mean maybe he can beef up a little bit. Uh, I I think. Well, there's a world where he could start, and it all depends on like what spring looks like and everything. But mm-hmm. I I would hope he doesn't have to. I know. Well, here's the deal. So, okay, I'm gonna say this without um. Being mean, if you look at that. Cook, uh, I'm gonna say this now. Cooker has not impressed me. I think I'll say, but but certainly he's only a, a sophomore, so he's doing the graph, and he's six seven three twenty six. Okay, let's look at the other guys. Let's hit a tackle. Marcus Williams is a sophomore. Did not see any playing time. He's six six three fourteen. Then you have Tyler Guyton, uh, redshirt freshman, talented. Maybe could play six six three oh six. That's a that's a potential for death. Michael that's, Nichols that's is my, yeah yeah. Guyton's my the other guys yeah, I are about him. Yeah, the other guys are are kind of um on the roster. Uh, I won't name them. I'm not trying to make fun of them, but uh, so Guyton might be the, the depth that we're, we're looking for there. Yeah. I, but, I don't know what it's, I don't know what it is about like the, the quarterbacks versus the uh, linemen, but like I'm mm-hmm. way quicker to be like, Hey, this Newman kid is, sounds like a golfer. Like TCU's backup yeah. quarterback is named like Wilson Chandler. Let's make fun of that. Um, <laughs> but with offensive linemen, I'm like, Oh yeah, they're all very big and strong. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to say very nice things about them. Please don't hurt yeah. me. Uh, Chris Dyke yeah. has amazing hair. I just want to, yeah, it's, he does. Keep, it's keep that beautiful and flowing. Can I say two more Dyke thing? Hill, also not a candidate for the starting tackle. <laughs> also, also will not play tackle <laughs> for the TCU Horned Frogs. Uh, we were talking about guard candidates. Uh, I'll treat Barlow. Uh, man, the guy was pretty decent in the few downs that he played. He was, he, uh, I, he has a lot of potential. I'll say that. Yeah. 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 So, I, I mean, there's stuff, but you know, you lose like, like, okay, Austin Myers is gone, whatever. Like, Kelton uh, Holland's quasi white. He had a better PFF grade than Steve. You're giving me a look. All, all I'm saying is that I, I think he has potential. Grant, are you familiar with the concept of ceteris paribus? Uh, no, I have no idea what that means. It means all things equal. Um, and so, you know, if you, you, you know, you don't want to grade, uh, you don't want to compare an apple and an orange on the thickness of their peel because, um, you're literally comparing apples to oranges, right? It's not the, the sure. apples peel is not designed to be very thick. Uh, that's, that's all I have to say about that. Okay. So yeah, the Works offensive line transfer, I, I guess the situation isn't as it, it isn't dire. It's not ideal. You certainly would have liked a, an experience an experience in your system, veteran tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, this would have been TJ Storms. This will be TJ Storms fifth year, I believe uh, in college football. And, uh, and I would much rather have him starting than potentially a sophomore or, uh, a, uh, a junior with, you know, two or three career starts. So that, that oh, needs no. to be just, you said it, uh, overall, just kind of, just kind of stinks, uh, that, that, that storm has gone there. So that's kind of the first big news. Yeah. So, uh, as we're talking about offensive line, we might as well talk about more changes on the offense. Um, and people that are changing positions. That includes Kenny Hill, but more importantly, it includes Doug Meacham, who is now TCU's offensive coordinator. Parker, in terms of seeing things coming, this is like seeing the sun rise in the morning, right? Yes. Um, if if like the sun had already been risen and we were just pretending that the sun right. hadn't risen, yeah. Um, I, I mean, so yeah, this this is fine. I like they haven't <sighs> I'm I know. really speechless about this because it's like, look. They have an identity, but again, what is, what is like Jerry kill is there to make sure that Doug Meacham runs the offense that the, that TCU wants to run. Right. You're like, okay, 
why don't you just hire a guy who can call those plays and not not need the guardrails? Um, so I know. I, okay, I get that. I really do, and 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 I mostly agree with you. But also, look if if Gary needs a friend, and Jerry's there, and Jerry won some games for us last year, especially Oklahoma State. And if Meacham's going to follow that game plan, well, look, I'm not paying the bill. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, I understand you want to streamline it and then maybe kind of almost develop a head coach in waiting, but I don't know, man. It, it, it's not the worst arrangement. No, no, it's not. It could definitely be worse. And I mean, again, uh, we're, we're at the point now, it's like, we know what this is. We know what this is going to be. And there's an opportunity for TCU to make some decisions and, um, uh, you know, I mean, sources inside the program are telling me that there's a lot more confidence in a returning quarterback, uh, yeah. like a true, honest to God, returning quarterback. And so that makes me really happy. Um, sources from other programs in college football are salivating over Quentin Johnson. Um, yeah. Like I'm not talking, I'm not talking like your, your second tier Texas recruiter guy. Who's like, darn, I wish we had had him. I'm talking like national people saying circle this guy. Uh, like he's, he's mm-hmm. a dude. And so that, that makes me optimistic about what Meacham can do with those tools. Because again, you saw, you know, Meacham could get out. of not, I don't want to say get out of the way. That's, that's too reductive, but Meacham could get out of the way of Boykin and Dachshund and, mm-hmm. you know, there's potential there. Um, a, a, as for Kenny Hill, uh, I, I think this, he's, he's absolutely earned this. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, you know, doing the preview for Arkansas and seeing Sam Carter being a cornerbacks coach at Arkansas and basically being like the only kind of, uh, I think Derek Kendrick's coaching in high school. And then there's another Matthew Tucker, maybe is coaching yeah. in, in high school, Texas. Um, but, but Sam Carter is like an up and comer, like will be a defensive coach. Um, Absolutely. And, and so I, I love to see Kenny Hill getting the opportunity to develop and kind of become a quarterback's coach and move up the pipeline. I think that's great. I think that's really important. Um, this is going to sound uh, patronizing in hell. And I, I don't mean that, but like, there, there's a problem where there isn't really a pipeline for minority uh, yeah. assistants to kind of become head coaches, mostly because they don't get to be offensive coordinators or quarterbacks coaches and all that. It's so like Kenny Hill is on that path and that's awesome. Yeah. That rules. Yes. Um, one, because he's earned it and he's smart. So like so that, that's great. That being said, I, I hope that um, he and Malcolm Kelly are a lot more involved. Um, and I think they both will be kind of as they grow into the roles and they grow yeah. up and they uh, get there. So yeah, I, I'm optimistic about kind of the lower tier uh, I mean, you start talking about like TCU's assistant coaches. You talk about Kenny Hill, uh, Malcolm Kelly, Paul uh, Paul Gonzalez, Zarnell Fitch, like some dudes you like, Jeremy Modkins, uh, mm-hmm. just some guys you're like, man, this is this is a pretty stacked uh, kind of second tier of coaches, assistant coaches. That that's just awesome. Do you want to talk about some other TCU uh, assistant coaches? I uh, I chose who I highlighted very very carefully. Okay. I'll, I'll say this as as uh, as an optimist here. Um, the Meacham thing—it's it, not inspired, right? It's not—it's not going outside of the box. It's—it's—it's it's, it's what we expected. But just as sources inside the program are excited about having a returning quarterback, I do think there is something for consistency in um, in having offensive coaches come back. And we've talked before about how hey, having returners doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot if they're not good. But I think Kelly and uh, and Hill and Meacham at, at his top level are good. Uh, maybe not great. I don't know. We'll find out because they certainly have the personnel, but they are good. Um, and so I, I think this is a positive for the program, being able to keep Meacham, being able to put Hill up to quarterbacks coach. He knows the system. He's played in it. Um, he can help develop Max. And, and Kenny Hill, shout out to Mason Shireen, was a good quarterback. Um, so I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, Ken, and, and apparently Max likes Kenny, which I think is the most Good. important thing. Yeah. Um, especially listen. with like Su- Sonny can be recruited Max and like, okay, it's like you bring in a new offensive coordinator. If you can do some continuity there and kind of say, um, Hey, this is your guy. I mean, there, there's a couple times where I will not make too much. I, I do this all the time. I won't make too much of like sideline interactions, mm-hmm. but someone who probably shouldn't in that moment uh, have had a direct Avenue of communication with Max Duggan was talking to Max Duggan after like an interception or something. And three or four times this season, Kenny Hill physically got in between those people and, and got Max away. And I'm like, okay, that, that alone is, is uh, just uh, in, indicative of, of some value and, and a potential beneficial relationship there. So I'm, I'm happy for that. Listen, as someone who is a fan of the Houston Texans and has watched uh, 
the owner and the GM drive away coaches that players are uh, fans of and those players subsequently leave or demand a trade from the organization. I'm all about having a player's locker room. Uh, so if Max is a fan of Kenny, then by God, I am a fan of Kenny, uh, which I have been. Kenny was a good quarterback. I'm fine with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. speaking of Kenny's, I'm talking about, you know, we're, we're rambling here, but we'll get to our main set. Oh, well, no, let's do that. it. Our last one on defense. Uh, I'm pretty excited about two additions on defense. One of them is a Kenny, Kenny Turnier from uh, UCF. Who's going to, yeah. who's going to move. He kind of played end at UCF. He's going to, he's going to play interior line and uh, TCU's interior line is going to be stacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to kind of the development of, um, you know, Corey Coleman and, uh, and uh, Oshawn, Oshawn Mathis. Mathis. Yeah. So I, I think that, that TCU hasn't had a dominant front four. They've had dominant defensive linemen. They haven't had a dominant front four in a long time and they could potentially have, um, a, a dominant front four this year, which yeah. could, could support, I'm not, I'm not saying this, but could support the hypothesis that despite that TCU is losing, despite what TCU is losing on defense, their defense this year could actually be better um, or as good as it was last year, just because of the general equilibrium of they're going to have a way better right. defensive line. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so since we're here at the defense, um, I, I'll start the line first uh, tackles for TCU this year. Um, Jacquez Sorrells, Patrick Jenkins, George Ellis, Corey Bethley, Terrell Cooper, Earl Barquette, uh, Sonny Macy, and Kenny Turnier. Uh, Turnier. Um, we can find two good linemen out of those people. Uh, I, I would go so far as to say Bethley and Cooper are going to be disruptive. Yeah, right, I, I think, right. Yeah. Like, uh, we, they'll be the, been... No, I was going to say, they'll be the starters, no doubt, but, but there are backups that can provide depth and develop and create a future for TCU. Like, I understand those are the two starters, but that's a good scenario to be in. Yes, there, there, there's some names there, absolutely. Um, yeah, and even even on the end, I think there's a couple guys that are really interesting that are a little bit more of like the hybrid um, kind of linebacker defensive end sure. position as TCU goes to three down. Like, I, um, I don't know, like uh, Marcel Brooks or like who are you thinking? Holy, speaking of position changes, <laughs> I haven't heard anything else about that. I don't know if that's real or not. Uh you did not hear it here, 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 here at fear first that uh, Marcel Brooks is a wide receiver now, but I what, what, what? no, hold on. Wait, no, I, I, I'm not asking you to divulge anything. I no, was no, joking no. and this, I did not know that. No, so, no. So, somebody told me this. Like, I think, dude, I think like Jeremy or Billy said something about this, like January. We may okay. have talked about this. I must, on the last I must have forgotten about it. It's no, no, been no. a long time. That is your boy, your boy doesn't actually have sources. I don't know. Information. No, no, no. It, does, I, did, yeah, I didn't yeah. mean to make you. <clears throat> Listen, we can cut this whole thing. I'm no, just saying, no, it's I fine. was making a joke, and I did not know that was – I'd forgotten about that. Well, um, I, you know, we're kind of off on our patterns because I was, you know, not having podcast in a month because I, I kind of right there was going for you to go into the uh, – it would be really nice to have kind of an edge rusher linebacker hybrid who, you know, might have been a five-star and an experienced oh, national like champion Evans? kind of like, – like Marcel Brooks. And, and <laughs> right. I, I, so I thought I was setting you up for that. But uh, – right. Yeah. yeah. So that um, is interesting. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Cool. cool. Uh, I'm going to go for, I'm going to say TJ Carter's name out loud because Memphis defensive backs are very good. He's going to come in sure. and maybe be, be really good. And then I'm going to really hard pivot to, uh, cause, cause we've been, in, we've been about 30 minutes here. Let's, let's, let's pivot out of the roster. Cause we can talk okay. about this forever. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. And, my, uh, yeah. I was in the no, weeds. No, how dare you apologize? I'm leaving that in. Um, Let's talk about uh, what else do we have on the agenda? I, I, say transition, I know you're making a transition. Let's talk about the schedule. Hey, we're shaking off the rust, baby. Uh, all right. So, T- so TCU's football schedule is out. Uh, I wrote something about this uh, last week. Uh, just kind of breaking down the order of the schedule and the way it shakes out. Uh, we're not going to do a full um, schedule breakdown this episode, but I, I do kind of want to get your general feel on um, the order of the Big 12 schedule, especially having 10 straight weeks of football, starting with the SMU game and uh, and how that shakes out for the Horned Frogs. So, Parker, uh, what are your initial opinions on uh, on the schedule release? Um, I think Cal versus TCU is going to be ugly. Oh, uh, yeah, it'll be 16 to 7. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, their defense is really good. I think Justin Wilcox might get a big boy job soon. Um, and, and so I think they'll kind of have things humming. Uh, so that is actually scary. I kind of like having an off week before that, before SMU, just because you, you can't lose. Um, you just can't, you can't oh. do it. Uh, no, but, but I want that off week somewhere else. 
Yeah, so I don't get I, I, why because, we have. Well, we have a buy. We have a buy before the Big Twelve championship game, so that's fun. Well, well, need all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll need yeah, that so, for so, when we for when TCU plays Oklahoma. <clears throat> yeah. The first thing that I see is um, that that really stands out to me is um, this is the year that you have to go to the Oklahomas. Um, and so it's yep. nice you get Baylor and Texas at home, but you get the Oklahomas uh, on the road. TCU, uh, their big successful years don't don't happen. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard it's hard to it's hard to split the Oklahomas when you go to both of them. Um, and so that stands out to me. There are a couple embedded bye weeks, I think. So like Texas Tech before Oklahoma, Kansas before Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, an off week and then SMU before Texas is like an extended enhanced scrimmage and so you could see some rhythms that are going to be good but man you you talk about this stretch right here like 10 games in a row is an ass kicking but west virginia at kansas state Mm -hmm. baylor at home at oklahoma state that sucks that's that's going to be all all four of those games could be one score games and it wouldn't surprise me that is going to be a grind that sucks. I will say that the Oklahoma TCU's whole rotation where they get either at the Oklahomas or hosting the Oklahomas uh, every year is, is just a complete crapshoot. What really stinks is having to go to, to, to me is having to go to at Kansas state and at Iowa state, because both those teams have been kind of bugaboos for TCU in recent years. What I like is that they're later on in the schedule and that Kansas state and Iowa state are typically extremely uh, and this is a cliched term, disciplined teams that TCU has played early on in the schedule. The fact that we had them later in the year where TCU can develop an offense, develop a defense, get some rhythm going, get cohesion, and then play those teams, that is a plus to me. And and listen, they're on the road, but at least it's not, hey, first game of the year, it's uh, Chris Kleiman doing what he's always done. And then second game of the year, it's Iowa State, which always like just plays well because Matt Campbell's their head coach. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's fair. Um, and again, it, it's also just looking at this, I can talk myself into any, you know, any, any configuration of this being good or bad because the big 12's middle class is uh, terrifying. Good. You know, I mean, it's, it's Texas yeah. tech and Kansas. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of teams and then there's Oklahoma. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm, um, I'm worried about Iowa state. I, I think the there is a a very high probability that the Iowa State game is for the second spot in the Big Twelve Championship. Um, I agree, and so that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, that'll probably be game day. Iowa State will probably wear black at home because they don't have an identity and they have to create one. Um, yeah, so so I. I I don't know what to make out of a lot of these. And I, I, again, I'm really avoiding trying to go win loss in my head right now because that, that is just guessing and noise and we're not going to do that. Um, I do like Texas early. I think that's good. Mm -hmm. They're going to be young. There's a lot of turnover. I think they will probably like Texas will probably do that thing where they put up, you know, 150 points on some FCS school and everyone will say Sark is here. It's new. Texas is really back. We were just lying last 10 years. And so I like having them kind of early when they're still unstable and haven't ironed out those wrinkles, maybe have some false confidence. Can, can I pick on Texas one more time after we already talked oh, about yeah. Hillinger to open the show? Okay. Please. Uh, and our friends at PFF are good people, and, and we like them. Um, they listed uh, uh, Cam Thompson and Bijan Robinson as the number one duo going into this season. Yeah, so I, I think that's dream casting. This is now a Texas podcast. Texas Texas gets cursed every back on the <laughs> offensive line. It always they're, has. They're, it. It's, yeah, it always their has. Their offensive line is going to be really good. I think Bijan Robinson is one of the most talented running backs in the league. I agree. I, I, all of, concede does, all of this. I think I think uh if college football were as easy as plug and play and take X talented part uh piece and put it in Y environment and then get Z results. Like um Sark plus Bijan plus a good offensive line does not equal Najee Harris. And I think that's a little no. bit, um, yeah, I, I, I just don't, I think that's philosophically uh, unsound to just assume that. Now, 
Do I think he could develop into that? Absolutely. Do yes. I think that could be as, as soon as like next half of the season, but to look at like a freshman quarter, this is, this is not just Texas being back. This is like how this big corporate national media ification of uh, the, the suitification of college football that I talk about all the time thinks, Oh, it's a business. You can just walk in and transplant, you know, these inputs in this system and go, and if it was that easy, then Alabama wouldn't be kicking everyone's ass for the last 10 years. Like, uh, and longer. These are these are kids. There are variables, um, and there's a lot more under the system. And chemistry really, really matters. And so I just I think that is um, that's just kind of like the again. I, there I have so many I have so many friends at PFF. I'm not I'm not talking shit. Yeah, about Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they do saying, great work. Yeah, that that kind. And, and I've seen other people. I think uh, our friend R.J. Young said yes. said that as yeah, well for, for sure. Fox Sports. For sure. And, and so I, I just really think that is um, one going to get you a ton of clicks. So go go get your money. I'm there. Uh, but two, I really think that's not um, a, a smart way to think about the transmutability of college football success. It, it's not a great way to look at it, especially when you have like Spencer Rattler and an established wide receiver court, Oklahoma, or Caden Slovis and established wide receiver court, USC, or all of these options. Um, Sam Howell and wide receiver X at North Carolina, Homer pick there. But um, yeah, look, if it was that easy, as you said, when it comes to plug and play, then um, Saban's assistants would have won a national title by now. And uh, instead, they have never beat Nick Saban. Um, instead, Jeremy Pruitt is out of Tennessee. Kirby Smart is perpetually perplexed. That's hard to say at Georgia. And um, yeah, it's not a guarantee. I think Sark will be good at Texas. I think Thompson and Robinson would be a good duo. I think that in game three or four of Texas's schedule, uh, they're not going to be one of the top two, the top one duos in the country. Yeah. Anyway, and, and, sorry. And, I didn't mean to bring that up. It's just that bothered me over the off season and TCU placed no, first in the Big 12. And if I go to a microcosm here too, like in the TCU game, do I fully expect Bijan Robinson to just destroy TCU out of the backfield or at least antagonize? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The question that I, here, here's how kind of I'll land this discussion and just ask you a question. Who's Texas's best outside receiver? Can I pull? Up the, can you give me fifty seconds? No, to pull up the roster. No, oh. you can't. Don't pull up the roster. Uh, yeah, oh, right. Um, no, Britton Eagles. I, Britton Eagles. Britton Eagles. Uh -huh, uh -huh. The point. The point is there, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah. lot easier to be an amazing pass catching running back. Nothing against Najee Harris, but like making it work when you have Devonta Smith. Uh, right. And, uh, so yeah, yeah. And complementarity, gener general equilibrium. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know how we went we'll that see. far we'll down see. that, but we'll I'm see. fine with it. Yeah, that. yeah. We went down the rabbit hole. Um. Okay. Let's pull out of it, Parker. Uh. Let's let's steer out of the spin here. Um. You, you had a little uh, overrated, underrated that you wanted to play. Am yeah. Right? Let's let's do that and land there. It'll be a nice little kind of. Uh. It's like we're um. You know, if you go to a, an improv show, and uh, they they'll do something weird like look at each other and pretend they're a mirror and like play with each other's faces and pretend they're like the mirror image of the other person. It's like a comedy warm up. You're like, Hey, let's just move these. Back. This is kind of what we're doing for the off season. So you're, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. You're discussing the classic, uh, Nicholas Cage, John Travolta film face off. Uh, I only, I haven't ever seen face off. Oh, um, I will say that there is a great deleted scene from, um, parks and rec where Andy Dwyer, uh, played by, Chris Pratt sings an acoustic guitar song uh, about uh, no, it's sudden death, not face off. Oh, I'm so out of shape right now. See, this is why we have to do these flexing muscle things here. Um, yeah. Uh, also, okay, also, hold on one sec. While we're doing improv, shout out Census Active Comedy uh, at TCU, a very good improv troupe that I have several friends that were in. Very funny. If you never saw them while you were in school, but... I will take your word for it. I don't really have never seen them. Come um, on, come on. Go frog! It's me, no notorious hater of fun. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so to get us where we're going to go and, and end up here, uh, I just want to. I've been working on some rankings, as you know. Um, and honestly, I'm I'm real excited with how this website cfb-graph.com is is turning out, and I'm I'm going to be able to release that in the near future. So stay tuned. That's going to be really exciting. But as part of that, I've kind of been doing like a drive based um, results and saying like, hey, you know. Uh, accounting for your opponent, uh, accounting for some randomness, throwing out some garbage time. How efficient were you with your drives? You know, I love that stat, uh, echo, I'm calling it, which is basically the ratio of quality possessions. Like how often did you set yourself up in a position where you should score? Uh, and saying that that's more stable than, than how often did you score? 
Um, and so, you know, accounting for that and accounting for some things like a touchdown's never really worth seven points unless you score it at the end of the half or an end of a game because you're going to kick it off again, right? Um, and so, like, accounting for, for some differences there, same thing with a field goal, there's a probability you miss it, yada, yada. I have a drive-based ranking. So uh, what I want to do, Grant, is kind of throw these at you for the Big 12 teams and tell you where they rank in the Power 5 and Contenders. So I didn't do all the G5, but I did basically every good. So I think I have 78 teams total. Okay. Uh, and so 1 to 78 is the ranking. I'm going to start from the bottom. Uh, maybe I'll just pull them randomly. I don't know. I'm going to tell you a team's a Big 12 team's national ranking, uh, and I want you to tell me if they are underrated or overrated for 2020. Can I ask you a question real quick? And this is this is yeah. a mini version of explain it to an idiot. How many points is a touchdown worth? Well, so a, a touchdown is worth six points for crossing the end zone, right? right? Yeah, I know that part. It's worth yeah. it's worth probably 0.97, 0.98 sure. for making the um, you know to account for attempt. Yeah, making the extra point attempt for or two, going for but, two. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then minus the expected points of the next possession, right? So I kick it off. On average, you get it on the first and 25. That's different for every team, right? But if I get a touchback, then you at the first and 25 are averaging like what? Like, you know, 1.8, 2.2 expected points, depending on how you're doing it. And so I net that out as well. So touchdown ended up being about 5.9. I'm doing some stuff with uncertainty to say, once you kind of cross a threshold, it's not exactly like, hey, we did well, so we get a touchdown or like, hey, we did poorly, so a field goal. Even the realization of attempting a field goal versus scoring a touchdown is like, it's random. Right. And so we've got to account for some uncertainty in there too. Uh, and, and so that's why a touchdown isn't worth seven because uh, you know, it's a probability in, in, you know, conversion, right. There's a probably there's some expectation of what the team's going to do after you kick off and you have to kick off. And then three, it's not like you get to, you know, flip a switch and say like, Oh yes, we'd love a touchdown here. Oh, we'd love a field goal. It, it, it kind of matters how you get there. Okay. We're going to spend 30 minutes on a podcast on this in the future, but yes, let's do, um, over under let's do it okay um so first one uh we'll start at the very bottom and then i'll go random okay. <sighs> number 71 kansas 0 and 8 minus yeah. 2.57 in my per drive unnamed stat can you tell me who do you have the full 78 list pulled up uh no not oh i'm sorry okay that's okay that's okay I, i'm just annoying. curious who 72 and 73 were um Overrated. Kansas is the worst football team I've seen in years. They were not and good. J- Jalen Daniels can swing, can sling the ball. You know, when when you're down six or seven starters and you're just trying to get out of Lawrence, he can he can throw the ball for a touchdown here and there. The appetizer had a pick six, uh, pick six against <laughs> Kansas. Uh, Kansas is one of the worst football teams I've ever seen. Uh, and and assistants are leaving. Things are uh, things are getting dicey. I. I, 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 I yeah, we both wanted to say something there. I like Les Miles. Um, I wish he hadn't have taken this job so that we could see him riding into the sunset and do Raising Cane's commercials. And the podcast was so good. He and his daughter Smacker doing yes. a podcast. Yeah. I think I think they ran out of national championship stories, so we need to do something else. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I hope Les um takes the game day job uh yeah. and, and gets yep. out of Lawrence yep. sooner rather than later. I completely agree. Yep. Uh, I agree. They're underrated. All right, let's do let's do a weird one. Overrated, West, right? We're, we're, uh, they're 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 overrated at seventy. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. West Virginia four and four plus zero point five eight thirtieth overall. Underrated. Overrated. Thirtieth is high. West Virginia was a good football team, no doubt about it. They were not the thirtieth best team in the in the P five. Their offense is really bad. It like, was not good. Their defense was great, and that's not necessarily yeah. what I expected out of Neil Brown when he joined the Big 12. But um, even though we did have good defensive teams at Troy, but uh, by the way, can you name the future NFL Hall of Famer that played at Troy? Cornelius Williams is their passing game coordinator. I said former future NFL Hall of no, Famer. No, I know. Not, I have or, no sorry. idea who it is. DeMarcus Ware. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Anyway. That's uh, no, the defense – yeah, the defense is very good. Uh no, I, I I think they're a little overrated. The, the the passing game was not good. No, it really, really, really wasn't. Um, all right, number fifty-three, Baylor. They were two and seven, negative zero point one two. Fifty-three. <laughs> this is a good one. I know. And as much as I want to say that they're overrated, I think they're kind of underrated. I I think Baylor was like Brewer was extremely hurt. 
all that. Like you look at their, I, I think that's, I think that's unfair to Baylor. And as much as I love being unfair to Baylor, I, I think they're slightly underrated. Yeah. I mean, their defense was, their defense was feisty. Um, they lost to Texas tech, which just feels inexcusable. Yeah, their record against top 30 teams uh, was zero and six. I, I so, know, I know, but it feels like they were always in contention, and maybe that's anecdotal. Well, I mean, they certainly weren't against TCU. But can I, I drop one know. on you? Yeah. When did Jalen Petrie go out of the TCU game? Uh, so that's the game I didn't watch. Oh, okay. So TCU was up like I, I, it may have been seven nothing or fourteen nothing with an offensive mm-hmm. touchdown and a defensive touchdown, and then Petrie went out, and the TCU just went crazy, and then the second yeah. half Baylor came back. I'm like, yeah, that probably that probably mattered a lot. Probably, yeah, so I, I agree with I agree with underrated. Mm-hmm. Underrated. They had some poor moments, and yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I think that's unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, the next one. Uh, Oklahoma State six and three plus zero point two nine, number twenty seven. Ooh. Uh, that is close to being properly rated. Uh, I'll say slightly under. Okay, I, I think Oklahoma on. State was a good team. Um, I'm curious <clears throat> to hear where you have another team in the Big 12 that I would find comparable, and we'll get to that in a minute. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold out judgment until you get to that team. Is that fair? That's fine. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer mine. I'm going to say I, I think they were underrated a little bit. Because if Spencer Sanders had been healthy all the way through, made a little bit of a step forward. And um, and so that that to me is kind of the issue there with Oklahoma State is like when your quarterback goes out, it's kind of hard to judge because there's some instability there. Five and three plus 0.44, the Texas Longhorns at number 23. Okay, great. That's what I was looking for. Oklahoma State is a better team than Texas. I'm going to take Texas as overrated and Oklahoma State is slightly underrated, even though Texas did beat Oklahoma State. Because uh, I was more worried about the Oklahoma State game than I was Texas. Maybe it's because of TCU's record against Texas. Um, but but I, I think Oklahoma State was a better team than the Longhorns. I think, I think that's arguable. Um, yeah. And fair. Um, all right, let's do, we'll do speed round of the, uh, the, the lower tier and then get to the interesting ones. So uh, Texas tech three and six minus 0.82 number 60. I might be over it. Man, tech was bad. Tech was not I think good. we underestimate how bad they were. Yeah. They, they were uh, not good. Yeah. Yep. And it's weird that they fired their offensive coordinator and then hired a guy who's going to come in and do the same thing. Did um, they hire real quick? Some some local upstart who hadn't had a shot okay. at, a, at a big job. Yeah. Just, you not, know, fresh not Ned blood. Yost. Does he have yeah. worse hair than than Ned Yost? Is my question. Uh, Ned Yost has Ned Yost is the coach from Remember the Titans. David Yost. Is the, <laughs> David Yost. <laughs> sorry, Davis who's coach. Ned? Oh, Ned Yost was a uh, no. I think a baseball no, Ned, manager. Ned Yost used to coach the Brewers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, yeah, and the Royals. yeah. God. Okay. Uh, my bad. Bill Bill Yost is the t- Remember the Titans guy. Yes. Um, okay. This is all coming together. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Shaking those muscles off. Um, all right, so right right now, right there next to them, Kansas State, 59th. They were 4-5, and five, minus 0.18. They were only 4-5. and five. Man, they were a better team than that. Sky, Skyler Thompson got hurt. Deuce Vaughn got hurt. I, I think they're a better team than that. Yeah, they are. I think it's Skyler Thompson, like, golly, we say all the time, he's not that good, but uh, he beat, like, Oklahoma this year, which is really weird. So He's going to be a 32-year-old man who's going to be slinging touchdowns. You know, that's the bet next year. The bet for next year is Skylar Thompson's age or total touchdowns. (laughs) Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, All right, I'm going to say TCU for last, so we're going to move up uh, all the way. Uh, Iowa State, 8-1 plus 0.96-12. Well, you tweeted earlier uh, on the day that we recorded this, who is the most overrated and who is the most underrated team in college football. I said Alabama was the most underrated, even though they finished season at number one. That's half a joke, and also I think Alabama is probably the best college football team we've seen in a long time, and I'm including last year's LSU in that. And I said Iowa State was the most overrated. Um I'll keep that. I say Iowa State is probably the 15th best team in the country, but so I think 12 is a slight overrating of Iowa State. They got way better at the end of the season. They did. They did. But and I think I think that was an I I think that created kind of an overcompensation in opinion. Um and so I I do think they were a little overrated. Um still very good. Great season, good for Matt good Campbell. Team. Good team. Yeah. Yeah. Good team. Um, all right. We'll do one more in the GCU. Uh, Oklahoma Sooners, six and two plus 1.17. 1. 
uh, 11th overall. Oh, that's an underrated. Oh, by, underrated. By the end of the yep. year, Oklahoma was the fifth or sixth best team in the country. Yep. I think they're way, way, way underrated. They're going to uh, make the playoff yeah. next year. Maybe. Maybe. They can. Many people can. They will. Not everyone can, but many people can. Uh, right. But Oklahoma can. They're and they will. certainly on the list of people who can. Um, all right. So as we're, as we're kind of winding down here, I'll give you the last one. I'll give you all the stats I've got on, on this team. So uh, TCU. Number 25th overall, five and four. Number 25th, yes. <laughs> uh, plus 0. 0.15 in my per drive stat. Record against top 30 was two and three. Record of one score gains was two and two. Their worst loss was to uh, Kansas State. Yep. Their best win was to was Texas, who, uh, again, number 25. Uh, no, number 23, excuse me. Um. And they, their last five, they were four and one and they rained, they rated 31st overall in efficiency over the last five games of the season. Uh, so TCU at number 25, overrated, underrated. Properly rated. That's about right. I, I think I don't, I, I think this, this, this list is a little bit old in the sense that this list caused me to go play with my opponent adjustments a little right. bit. Uh, Cause I think we gave, I mean, you look at who TCU's last five teams were and the fact that they weren't very yeah, good. Yeah. They beat the hell out of them, but they were bad. But, but yeah. by the end of the year, I, I would take TCU as number 25. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I so think do I, you have I, them as overrated? I do a little bit. I think, I think we underrated their defense last year. Mm-hmm. Um, just absolutely categorically. Their defense was amazing. Um, and, and so Maybe, maybe this kind of lands me in the middle of how bad I think their offense was versus how good their defense was. But I, I would be more comfortable with them, you know, in the, in the thirties, the, the high thirties, okay. like, like 31, okay. 32 or something like that. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, would you have taken them and listen, certainly there's no audio evidence of this, of a podcast that uh, commented on the bowl game ever happened. Would you have taken them against Arkansas? I think so. Uh, because I really think that, um, the defense was so good and the offense was clicking. Arkansas was so bad against the rush. We've talked yeah. about this on the podcast like a yeah. million times. I think TCU would have beaten them in a really unfun game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think 25 is right. If TCU starts the season at 25 next year, I don't think they'll be ranked. But if they started at 25, um, I think that'd be kind of fair just kind of looking at, at the landscape for next year. Although this will be a full season, so you have to add in the Pac-12 teams and all that. And, and that's going to be a whole whole different can of worms but um yeah i, I don't yeah, want tcu don't to sniff votes until after they they beat they texas, beat texas Tech and are undefeated yeah. texas i was gonna say beat yeah. texas but yeah that works yeah too. yeah because what well oh, te- oh, texas is gonna be top 10 so if you beat texas you're gonna get votes so yeah i guess that's right yeah those texas starts a season at number nine every year and then they just adjust by the way parker do you uh you you read my post for some reason before you read that did you know where duquesne was It's in uh, it's it's in the middle of the country. It's in Iowa. It's in Pittsburgh. No, that's Drake. I'm an idiot. Okay, Duquesne's yes. in Pitt. Okay, so Pittsburgh is always the right answer. I I was I I thought I was thinking of the wrong school here. D- Pittsburgh <laughs> is always the right answer for is this random school here? There's something like 11 D1 basketball programs in Philadelphia. I think you're alone. thinking like of, yeah. Well, Pittsburgh and oh well, in, in, in Pennsylvania, two yeah. Things. Yeah. Pens- yeah, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long day. Um. That that yeah. does not surprise me. Um, that that is um, not as fun as no. what TCU had been doing, which was cycling through SWAT conference teams yeah. and playing local teams. But I do understand Duquesne's probably not playing uh, football this spring, and so no. I imagine people playing football this spring impacts scheduling and their availability this fall. Uh, and, and so I don't I don't really want to lament about that because this has been like. That that scheduling turn for FCS is probably the weirdest thing in the world of all this COVID stuff. So it, it's for disappointing, sure. but but it happens. Hopefully TCU will, will be able to kind of get back on the horse of that because yeah. I, I think that's fun. I think it's a good way to kind of subsidize local teams. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I would have loved to see TCU play De- uh, Deion Sanders led uh, Jackson State uh, in the first game of the year. But uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, I, dude, there's a whole thing there with him getting his stuff. We we look. We don't. Can I? I can I make a point while we're on that while we're on the HBCUs? Yeah, go ahead. Like, I'm just going to do this, and then we'll get out of here. Um, 
TCU is not playing an HBCU this year, so we don't mm-hmm. have to deal with this problem, but they will again. And mm-hmm. here's my earnest plea to every single one of you morons, every single one of you that is listening to this podcast. Because you've been listening this long. You're obviously, you're dumb. It's fine. Yeah, we're dumb. Yeah, no doubt about here. it. Do not be this person. Do not be the person who has four beers at the football game. Be that person. That's great. Don't be the person who has four beers at the football game and yells very loudly about like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for the band at halftime. The band's going to be so great, man. I love these bands. Appreciate it. Watch it. Have fun. Uh, Enjoy the spectacle because it is a spectacle. Don't be the person who only talks about HBCU bands over and over and again. Uh, There are some like deep-seated implicit nonsense there that's really, really dumb, but also it's just really annoying uh, and kind of makes you look like, uh, hey, we're playing this school, so I'm gonna. I need to talk about them a certain way. Uh, that happened at uh, last year. Uh, I was sitting around. Yeah. I guess they were playing uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and uh, the 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 stats wife, God bless her, had to tell me not to talk to someone. Be like, hey, you just don't. He's being dumb. Don't say anything to him. But yeah, don't be that person. What it says is that you saw Drumline once on TNT and got really hyped. Um, it's it's not a good look. It is, hey, I know one thing about the swack and I'm going to ride it into the ground. Um, yeah, not great. Yeah, so on that note, um, which is an interesting note to end on, um, we're signing off. Parker, uh, it is great to be back on the Purple Theory podcast. We're back like, uh, you know, Bobby Schmurda released out of jail yesterday uh, at home with his family now. And uh, he's going to keep producing hits. We're going to keep producing hits. Purple Theory Podcast is coming back. The Purple Theory Newsletter is back in full swing. Um, I'll have some content by the end of the week. Parker, somewhere in the depths of middle America, may have something if uh, he can stop staring at the buffalo outside of his window. I keep starting things, and then they get amazingly long. And so I have like four 7,000-word drafts that I need. Perfect. to. That's my problem. So I'll, I'll, I'll get some stuff out there. Um, but yeah, li- like and subscribe, purpletheory.substack.com. Make sure you keep an eye on cfb-graphs.com. There's some cool, cool stuff that that um, I'm putting out over there. Uh, you can find Grant on Twitter at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. And I am, uh, of course, Stats of War. This has been the Purple Theory Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Go Frogs!